Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello, calm parents, and welcome back to another episode of Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. I'm your host, Dr. Cam, and today I'm talking with parenting life coach Deborah Ann Davis. Deborah is also an author, certified personal trainer, teacher, and a mother. Her job is to help you recognize what you're doing right as a parent and then add supplemental strategies. Her books, How to Keep Your Daughter from Slamming the Door, I love that title, and How to Get Your Happy On, okay, that one's good too, are available everywhere. Welcome, De- Deborah. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm really pleased to be here. So we have so much to talk about. I want to first just start with your story. How, what inspired you to start working with moms and their teen- teenagers? I taught high school and middle school for 27 years, and then I left it to become a writer. And about five minutes out the door, I missed being around people and the energy, and I missed teenagers because I I love teenagers. And I um, went back to something that had happened when I had been teaching several years earlier, where there were a couple of girls who had come to me to see if they could use my room as their locker because one of them was in an abusive relationship Mm -hmm. and her boyfriend was stalking her at her locker. So apparently they had been going through this. She had been going through this over the years with different boys ever since seventh grade. And she wasn't even old enough to drive yet. Mm -hmm. So I said, yes, as long as they kept the drama away from my classroom and then with the um, caveat that they had to come and see me after school one day a week. And we were going to talk about relationships. So I spent my time trying to figure out ways to address these issues with them without making them feel um, judged, uncomfortable, guilty, and to make it kind of fun so they would stay engaged. So that's what got me started on that path. And then I realized that if I could help them, then moms could help them. Mm. So I wanted to put out something that the moms could do with their kids. So the book, How to Keep Your Daughter from Slamming the Door, has lots of activities in it and exercises and some quizzes and things like that that you can do that help you understand your relationship with your daughter and help her move forward. Although I have to say relationships are relationships. So all of this stuff works ironically with boys and with your significant others. <laughs> yeah, I have found that too. A lot of people be like, you know what? I tried that with my husband and that worked. I'm like, yeah, it's amazing how you yeah. know, it's relationship stuff. So there is a difference between, you know, adults and teenagers. And I know you get into this and I, I love sinking my teeth into this, but talk to us a little bit about the difference between the adult brain and the teen brain and why we misunderstand each other so much. I'd love to. First of all, when I tell people I'm a writer, they think I was an English teacher, but in actuality, I was a science teacher. So I've got a geeky kind of brain anyway. (laughs) So what I'm telling you is science-based, all right? They used to think that we had little mini brains when we were born, and they just got bigger with our skull. 
But now they understand that that brain is there, but the nerve things in it are not developed. So what happens is the brain develops from the back of the head to the front of the head, which is, I like to say, the cosmic joke, because the front of the head is logic and reasoning. Yes, the last part of our brain to develop. <laughs> and it would be really lovely if it happened in high school or even college, but it doesn't. The average person's done developing logic and reasoning around 26 years old. So that word's average, which means for several people that is in their early 30s. Yeah. So and some later, I think. Which, pardon <laughs> I me? said some later, even that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Hence the word average. But that that is what makes it so difficult for kids to make good decisions yeah. because their instant gratification centers and, and risk-taking centers are developed early. And that's what's making them make all their decisions. So the weird thing is that even though the logic and reasoning section is not developed yet, if you tell your teenager what I'm saying right now, that this part develops first and this part develops last and you don't have hopes for it to be done for another decade, then they will make better decisions because they'll say, oh, you know, this is one of those things that my folks said that I might be tempted to make a bad decision about. Maybe I should wait. Maybe I should think it through. I mean, they're not going to be a hundred percent because this brain development pattern, it explains what they do and, and explains what we did. Exactly. I mean, when we think back to some of this stuff we do and people are like, what were you thinking? The answer is we weren't. <laughs> right? Well, we or weren't. we were thinking with the part of the brain that made that idea of dropping, jumping off the garage roof with an umbrella made it make sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's super cool. Especially I, if everyone else, all your other friends agreed, then it was absolutely cool. <laughs> yeah. So what do we do? Okay. So the part of the brain isn't fully developed. And the part of the brain that is making some of these rash decisions and, you know, looking for spontaneity and fun is how do we help our kids make some better decisions and stop making some of these scary decisions? The thing that you have to do is give them a good foundation so that when it comes to a particular incident, it will go against the teachings from the house. So that's what will make them pause. They'll give them the little uh-oh feeling inside that'll make them stop for a second and question it. Is it going to be 100%? No. I mean, I was a really good kid. I really was. But I did some stupid stuff. And it, it all made sense to me at the time. And then looking back on it, I was like, I mean, even at that age, even at 17, looking back on it, I was going, that was not a good decision. Yeah. But it's so weird to be in the moment and for it all makes sense. And then when an outside voice or view looks at it, all the cloud stuff dissipates and then you've got the stupid decision left and, and you go, what, how come it doesn't make sense to me anymore? So right. yeah, the, the basis, the, the two things is talk to them, talk to them, talk to them. Conversation's the key and let them know that they're developing and changing. And that they are going to make mistakes. And when they find themselves in a mistake, to come to you so you can help them. Because your brain is already developed. You've got the logic and reasoning. 
you can help them through whatever situation it is. So even if they're going to make a stupid decision, you are there for their foundation as they're building it. Yeah. And I think it's important for parents to, to, to be patient. Um, I think it's very easy for us to get exasperated and frustrated and annoyed and even angry when they make bad decisions or they respond in a way that you're like, what are they thinking? And we immediately go to correction mode rather than guidance mode. Um, So I think understanding that they're learning how to do this and they're not going to be great is really important. One of the things that I did with my daughter and actually I'd love to take credit for this, but she generated this whole thing. She would come to me and say, mom, you know, and want to talk about something. And I'm, my personality type is I jump in there and I fix it. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's not what she needs. So when I aired, we'd be banging heads right there along with the best of them, right? Finally, we got on a conversation about what is it that you need? And she said, sometimes I need you to be my best friend. Sometimes I need you to be my mom and give me advice. And sometimes I need you just to be quiet and let me vent. So I learned to say, when she'd go, mom, I'd say, okay, what's my role here? Yeah. And sometimes she'd say, exactly, this is what I want. And then it's my job to behave. <laughs> yeah. Stay in, that, stay in that lane. But then sometimes she'd say, I don't know, um, I guess... Just let me vent and then maybe I'm going to need some advice. So it's a work in progress type of conversation. But really, have see, first of all, I'm going to say to any parent listening to this um, broadcast that if you're going to take tidbits away from this talk and say, oh, I'm going to try that. The important thing is to be transparent, that you have the conversation with your kids ahead of time, say, I heard this really cool broadcast and I want to try something for it and from it. And this is what it is. So you tell them, you know, like when you're making breakfast together or, or something neutral so that when it comes up and you use it, they're not going, whoo, what's going on with mom? Yeah. <laughs> no. So That's- tell them that you're making changes. T- tell them, I love our relationship, but I think we can do better. So I'm going to try this thing to see how we can make things better because, you know, you've got several more years in high school ahead of you and I'd like them to be as smooth as possible and for us to be as close as possible. Yeah. There's so many powerful things you said right there too. So, you know, one I'm hearing that you're actually helping them, helping your daughter learn to have her own voice and to be able to communicate what she needs. Wow. That's huge, right? A lot of kids don't know how to communicate. So you're giving her the words And then you're respecting those words. The other thing is to be transparent about what you're doing. And I think that's really amazing too, because a lot of times we'll make changes and you're right. The teens will just be like, okay, this is a trap. This is totally a trap. What's going on? And then we get upset because they don't respond the way we're hoping. You know, they're like, they said they would respond this way and they're not. Well, it's about approach, right? Um, And then it's really about having that ability to continue to connect with them. And just continuing to have those conversations with them, I think is so important. Um, But the thing is, too, is being able, and I've heard this from teens saying, when they hear that their parents are trying to improve how they communicate with them, 
that speaks volumes to your team. Like, oh my gosh, you're not just blaming it all on me. And the little subtle underlining thing is that mom is a lifelong learner. The learning doesn't end when you're a kid. She's an adult and she's still learning. And it's not like, oh, she doesn't know it all right now. My mom doesn't know what's going on. No, we're learning as we go. I used to say, like when my daughter would have a birthday, okay, this is the first time I've parented a nine-year-old or this is the first time I've parented a 16-year-old. Yeah. We're evolving and growing parallel to their growth and involvement. Yeah, that is so important because I feel like a lot of parents, there's a lot of shame parents carry thinking I should know how to do this. I'm the only one doing this wrong. I'm failing. And what you just said is we're constantly having to learn because we've never done this before. And even if we've had five kids, we've never parented that kid at 16. And say you've had five kids and this is your youngest kid. You've never parented a kid at 16 with older, with four older brothers and sisters. True. You have not gone through this already. You have done something parallel. It's like saying for a teacher that, well, I've taught biology before, so this school year is going to be the same as last year. No, it's a whole different combination of kids. It's a whole different combination of uh, personalities. It's everything is different. Yes, we can glean some experience from what we've been doing, but you have to look at the situation individually and the kid individually and say, what works well with this kid? Because let's face it, they all have different personality types. And the ones that we tend to get along with, and I'm talking about parents and kids now, not teachers and students, although it parallel to teachers and students, but the ones you tend to get along well with and do well under your guidance are the ones who have a similar personality t- type as you have because you present yourself to the world in the way that makes sense to you based on the way you take in inv- information, your learning style. So if they have the same style, there's less surprises. Yeah. But say you're a visual learner and your child is an auditory learner. So, no, let me reverse that. It's easier. You're an auditory learner and your child's a visual learner, right? Your child's in the living room watching TV and you walk in and say, when that show's over, I want you to take out the garbage. And they go, oh, okay. And then five hours later, the garbage has not been taken out. But you take that visual learner and you put a little sticky note on the table in front of them that says, take out the trash. When the show's over, they see the note and they go, oh, I'll go take out the trash. Because that child who never took out the trash is not trying to throw it in your face that I'm not ever taking the trash out. They forgot. And then when you get upset, because this is literally the 4,000th time this has happened, they're blindsided by it. Like what's going on? Cause they don't, they're not seeing it the same way you are. Yeah. So one of the things I, I, I encourage parents to do is take a learning styles inventory. And by the way, anybody who, um, messages me on Facebook, I will send you a link to it because I have not only the learning style inventory, but I also have instructions about how to use it and how to work with your child that way. And since we're right before school starting, 
this would be a really good thing for you to do because if your child has the same learning style as their teacher, then the teaching style will match the way they mm. take in information. And if it's different, they may struggle in that class for no particular reason that is evident. And that can be cleared up by saying, oh, the teacher is a kinesthetic person who wants you to do projects and hands-on things. And your child is a, a, an auditory person who wants to receive lectures. So what I have for you is if you're A and they're B, then this is how you mesh. There are a lot of school strategies for that. Wow, that's huge. And I bet that will answer a lot of questions that parents get very frustrated with because we want answers. We yes. can't find answers. And this could provide a lot of answers and a lot and of a solutions. a lot of the struggling people did last year with um, the kids are at home, the kids are at school, the kids are at home, the kids are at school. And, and then thinking that, well, I'm suddenly supposed to be a homeschooler, even though I didn't sign up for that. If it was going smoothly, then the situation matched the child's learning style. If it wasn't going smoothly, then it didn't match their learning style. But you can do stuff for that to help it. I mean, who knows what's going to happen this coming year? But the point is that we should be able to embrace it because, first of all, this time of year, everything changes anyway. It always had, ever since the parents were little kids, it always has. Summer ends and school starts. It always has changed. So instead of worrying about, uh, we're going to have some change and I don't know if we're going to be ready for it. No, get rid of all that stuff because we always have change this time of year. And we always have change when the first report cards come out. And we have change when winter break comes. And we have change after spring vacation. And we have change when school ends. We always have change. It's okay. We're going to be all right with the change. So what if we start school and then they say, you know what, we're going to do the distance learning. Okay. Well, we already had that experience. We already know what worked and what didn't work. And now if you get this learning style stuff from me, you'll be able to say, ah, that's what didn't work. I'd be able to handle that this year. So we're okay. So what we need to do is convey that to the kids. Mm -hmm. Look, we're going to school in this manner. This, this is where we're set up for right now. So you're going to be fine. And if they switch it up, you're going to be fine. And if there's something that they change that I don't know how to help you with, I will find somebody who does. So you don't need to worry. I got your back. It's all good. This is just another year where you're starting school again. Yeah. And now it's going to have a little variety to it. So that's all right. We had major variety last year. This year, we know what to expect. We know how to handle it. We're all good. And there may be some we don't expect, but we know that we've been able to, to adapt. That's and right. I think what, I mean, the big thing I'm taking away from this, it's how we show up impacts how our teens show up. So if we're focused on finding a solution and saying we can do this, it doesn't mean negating what they're feeling, but it means modeling. We can find a solution. But if we're modeling, oh, my God, this is a problem. What are we going to do? Well, they, they basically take that belief, too. And then it's just a big, big old problem. Yes. without solutions. That's, that's yeah. fantastic. So I know you, I also wanted to ask you, cause you talk about the inevitables and the non-negotiables. 
what are those and how do we deal with them? I'll start with the inevitables because they're going to happen. I'm adding one to the list. One is that the inevitable is going to be anxiety about how the school year is going to go because of the fluctuations in the pandemic understanding. So the conversation I just had, I've got your back. And if I don't know how to find something, I will find someone who does. So you're okay. We're okay. We are all going to be okay. They need to hear that from kindergarten to heading into college. They need to hear that over and over during the summer. Mm -hmm. And if it switches up, then we will handle it. We're going to be okay. Then the second thing is that um, crushes, dating, that's inevitable. That is going to happen, whether it happens in sixth grade or happens for the first time when they're a senior, it's going to happen. So don't put your head in the sand and not be prepared for that. I have been unprepared for things where I said to myself, are you kidding me? Like the funniest one was um, my parents live in a a tourist area that is a, um, a great attraction for gay couples. And I never addressed it. I never got ready for that with my daughter. And we, she was about four and we were walking down the street holding hands and window shopping. And she goes, look, mommy, you know, in that little megaphone voice yes, that everybody yes. around you hears, look, mommy, those two men are holding hands. And I was like, why am I not prepared for this conversation? Right. We are here like five times a year. So I, I stalled and I said, whoa, what does that mean to you? And she goes, oh, that they love each other. And then she went back to looking at the windows and that was the entire conversation. What a great answer. That's how you dodge the bullet. You ask them a question. When they ask you a question that you're not ready to answer, the inevitable, do you and daddy have sex? It's going to come up at some point. You may or may not want to answer it, but that might might not actually be what they're wondering about. They might be wondering about, a picture that was drawn on the seat on the bus. <laughs> they right. may be wondering about something that an older kid said, right? And they're not really interested in you, but it just crossed their mind. And if you stall and say, huh, why do you ask that? You'll get from them more information. Yeah. So those are things that you can do for preparing. Those are the inevitables. They're, they're going to come up, you know, um, when did you start drinking alcohol? How old were you when you had your first drink? What we, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So those are the inevitables. They are coming. Yeah. And if you wait, you'll be sitting there with like a guppy <laughs> trying to figure out what you should be saying. And I'm giving you an answer for the whole gambit. Why do you ask that? Uh, what, why are you thinking about that? What brought that to mind, right? Yeah. And find out what's going on with them first. I was able to deter the, are you and daddy having sex question for years, (laughs) right? And it would always bring up whatever was on her mind, like a boy had a crush on her or whatever, you know, something. Then one year in high school, I said, "Um, what's on your mind? She goes, I just want to know. And I said, well, what's making you ask that? Oh, I just want to know. I couldn't get her off of that one. I was like, hmm. So I said, honey, 
don't ask questions you don't really want to know the answer to. And she kind of blinked at me and she turned around and walked out of the room. <laughs> That's great. And the, the why do you want to know is so, I mean, from a non-judgmental point, judgment point, right? It's just like curiosity. Why do you want to know? I think it's so good because we do make assumptions of what they need to know. And we, and I've done this too, where I've gone down paths that I'm like, how did I get myself down this path? And it had nothing to do with what she needed to know either. And I'm like, yeah, I could have avoided that. Detail. <laughs> yeah. Like I could have avoided that whole uncomfortable conversation. All this detail and they really wanted to know what color shirt you were wearing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Totally <laughs> been there. So the, why, why do you, why are you interested or why do you want to know is a great question because they lead it and you just correct or answer those. Love that. So then what are the non-negotiables? Health, education, and safety. Mm. That's it. You are in charge of those. Yes, they can have conversations about them, but you have to start the conversation with, I'm the adult, I'm in charge, I make the decisions. So you're welcome to give me input, but that's it. And I will tell you as a teacher now, as a teacher, a big mistake I see with parents when the school year is starting is they say, my child has been so mature over the summer and has grown so much over the last year. I'm going to, ex I'm going to loosen the reins on the household rules. Mm -hmm. And I want to say, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. The time to do that is after the first report card. Because with the new school year, they're going to have new teachers, new classmates, new crushes, new textbooks, new homework requirements, new sports. Everything in their life is going to be different and you're going to give them extra, I don't know, time they can stay out on the weekends or whatever without knowing if they're handling all the other changes. Mm -hmm. So just wait. Yeah. I mean, if, if they're doing really well, but by the time the first report card comes along then say, my child is so mature and handling things so well, I'm going to let them stay up later or let them sleep in or whatever it is that you want to do, but not before you know they can handle the new experience, especially since we don't know what this school year is going to be like. Yeah. And the, uh, the other piece of that is there's so much change going on that if you remain consistent, yes. there's some consistency, which creates security. So yes. the stress of having all this change and even if it seems like a good thing, it's still change. That might be completely overwhelming. So, And then the flip side of it is that you do give them extra rain in the beginning of the school year. They don't handle it well. And then when the report card comes out, you say, you know what? I'm taking back the reins. And then what's that feel like? It feels like punishment. It, it is feels punishment. like, yeah, it feels because kids can't help but think that when I'm doing good, my parents love me. When I'm not doing good, my parents don't love me. You have to keep saying to them, no, I love you no matter what. Yeah. But to pull back privileges feels like punishment, not solution. Correct. That is a big thing. And that's, I think a lot of parents do that because they're trying to hold the boundaries and make it so it's easier for them to focus or do that. But the fact that it feels like punishment and it feels like rejection and judgment and taking back, you know, taking back love almost. I mean, I think that is so or true. Gift. Yeah. So kids, 
And then we wonder why they get so upset. Well, they're feeling completely like, oh my gosh, I just lost everything. And that's my fault. And it doesn't help them. It just, and they don't see it coming. Yeah. Yeah. They don't see it coming because their solution to the um, lower grades is I'll try harder. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't translate into anything real. That's, that's a wish on the child's part. That's, they might as well be closing their eyes and saying, I hope everything gets better. I hope everything gets better. That they really mean that, but they don't understand that it's not a real thing. Just saying, I'll try harder. Yeah. So when you say, when you step in and say, all right, this is proving to be too much for you. I mean, I, I know I went through that when I was a kid, my grades started to drop and I was doing all these extracurricular activities. And my parents said, you got to drop the last one, which was my dance class. I was like, no, I can do this. And what I did was I worked extra hard to bring my grades up. And I had an incredibly stressful year because I spent the whole time wondering if I was going to slide again and worried about things falling through the cracks. And, you know, so that wasn't, even though I made it, I learned to hide my stress so that I could keep piling everything up on my plate. Yeah. I think that's so important too, because a lot of parents are like, well, my kids are handling it and they're doing it. And that threat made them push harder, but we have to ask ourselves, is it more important that they push harder and get those grades Or is it more important that they know that their mental health and that their self-esteem is really important? So a lot of times we think, oh, our kids are okay because they're doing well. But underneath, are they? You know that image of the duck on the pond where it's moving, the legs are going like this underneath the water. So are are, our kids um, handling it with stress or handling it with, you know, finesse and calm? Yeah, that's the question. All we we're, we're using the report card as an indicator of success, but we're not saying at what cost. That is a huge, huge question. A huge question. At what cost? And you can't ask the kid. No, no they don't. Being no. as a former kid, I don't want to give any of it up. And and where do we get that? By the way, <laughs> trying to add more to our plate. Where do where do we get that? <laughs> No, do more, do more, do more. Um, don't parents. stop. Don't stop. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah. our parents live their life that way too. Yeah, I, I know, and I think with each each generation, we keep piling it on, and so people are like, "Well, why is depression and stress so high?" Well, we keep adding on the expectations. They keep getting more and more and more, and we keep adding on. Like every time we have a tech piece of technology that simplifies and speed things up it doesn't simplify our life it makes our life more complicated because now we have more time to put more in yeah so we don't have time to just like breathe and so giving our kids and prioritizing for our kids this opportunity to rest and breathe and be okay not constantly doing I think we need to give our kids that permission because they are so stressed out And everybody watching this podcast right now, raise your hand if last school year was calmer because your kids weren't going to 40 different things after school. Raise your hand if if, um, the stress of the school year was due to the uncertainty of the pandemic, not because of your lifestyle. 
right? I mean, it was so shocking for so many people how much closer they got to their kids and, and how much more they learned about their kids and how much they, more they interacted with their kids and how better they understood their kids or how much they recognized that they didn't understand their kids and they thought yeah. they did before. I mean, everything's got a silver lining and that's what last year's silver lining was. With all that craziness, people slowed down. Yeah. Everything I, slowed yeah. down. I agree. And I've said the exact same thing that that was the silver lining. And I'm hoping my hope, and it sounds like yours too, is that parents will go, okay, let's keep some of that. Let's not rush back into this hectic schedule where we're sacrificing our relationship and our connection with our kids. Yeah. Which is the most important part of their development and their self-esteem is their connection with us and Mm -hmm. being able to be understood and have that time. So I'm hoping so much that parenter learned from that. That would be amazing. It'd be amazing. And they've shown their studies saying that kids who feel like their connection with their parents got was strengthened, their mental health actually improved this past year. That's it powerful. So lovely. Because all you hear is about the anxiety and the stress, but that tether with their family got strong, yeah. which makes this stress and anxiety swirl around this unit versus it swirling around the individual kid. Yeah. And we all can do that. We Mm -hmm. all can do that when we prioritize it. Deborah, this has been so wonderful and I love all your wisdom. Um, How can people find you and work with you and all that good stuff? Well, my website is DeborahAnnDavis.com and I will be accepting new clients for parent coaching this coming fall. So if you are interested in that, Go to my website, fill out the um, form. You can also join my group, The Mom Meetup, and um, that's on Facebook. Or I also have one, Life Advice 101. So you're welcome to join either of those. And anybody who's listening to this, if you contact me, you can get a free copy of my book called How to Get Your Happy On, which is about the biology of happiness and how to physically generate the happy hormone chemicals in your body, no matter what's going on in your life, which is a real stress buster for kids. Yeah, that, that is amazing. I think as parents, if we learn how to do that, we can then model and teach our kids how to do that. And what a gift to yes, give our kids exactly. to learn how to be able to have more control over their mood and their happiness. So, so great. I'll put all those links um, in the show notes so people can find you. So before we go, any parting words of encouragement for parents with teenagers? Um, Let's see. I'm trying to think about, I wrote things down that I would say for my parting thing, but I kind of covered them all (laughs) with what we're doing, with what we've discussed today. Um, I guess I would really strongly recommend that you have the back-to-school conversations right now. I just did um, the third of a four-part series with two other educators called Talk About Teens, which I'm pretty sure you can find on Facebook. But um, we were just talking about the importance of having the conversations now where the past school year is behind you and the new school year is coming up and this is a neutral period of time. And not to have the conversation about the grades, don't care about the grades, don't care about how they did in the final exams. You want to talk to them about 
how it felt. Mm-hmm. How did you feel when the school year got out last year? How would you like to feel when this school year uh, gets out? How do you want to start this school year? What do you think you did last year that you want to hold on to that you can do this coming school year? What would you like to avoid? And none of this is about you. You don't say, well, I think you should, or one thing you could do. Mm -mm -mm. This is all their self-exploration. And if you don't contribute and you listen, then you will learn. You will see the school year through their eyes. And if you have kind of strained strained relationship with your child and it's kind of hard for you to bring up these things, then don't talk about your child. Talk about their best friend. How did your best friend handle final exams last year? How does your best friend feel about starting high school this year? How does your best friend feel like, how is your best friend interacting with his parents? And then just listen. And you can have these conversations shoulder to shoulder with your kid, not across from them, because then you get the whole facial expression thing going on. With my daughter, I always say that we'd get a bottle of nail polish and go sit on the stoop and she'd sit next to me and we'd be bent over painting our toenails. And I'd be raising all these touchy conversations, you know, about boys and dating and, and how her friends were handling it and what she thought about it. And we would just have these conversations so that when it was time to raise the hairy things, then she was used to talking to me. Yeah, so important. We, my daughter and I do walks every yes, day. Yes, walking is wonderful because it generates happy hormones in the mm-hmm. process. Yeah. So people are feeling more inclined to share. So yeah, yeah walking is wonderful. And then um, the other thing is it could be anything. You can rearrange the furniture in the house while you're talking. You can um, paint somebody's room together. You can work on your garden together. It can be anything that you are doing side by side where you're not facing each other and you can raise the uncomfortable conversations in a neutral way, in a non-judgmental way. And then your child will feel more trust to you towards you and will come to you when things aren't so easy to discuss. Yeah, that's, that's so good. And I think, I mean, just thinking about school now, thinking about setting the set, setting the tone for having conversations, it's all when it's neutral, because I think we don't think about it until it's in the moment. And it's like in like hyperlink, and we don't have we haven't created that foundation yet. And so now we're just we've got nothing to hold on to. So working towards that, and if you've got a big disconnect, it's just going to take longer, but it's still possible. That's right. And and start with a, you, we got this conversation. It's going to be fine. We've got this. We've faced change before. We're going to handle this. Start with that conversation because when you mention school, that's where their anxiety is. Big time. And they're, you know, now they are so unsure of what's going to happen. So it's a big one. So thank you, Deborah. I am so grateful you could join us today. This has been a great conversation. And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. If you want to learn more about how to help kids succeed, you can grab my free guide, Seven Secrets to Motivating Teens, at askdrcam.com slash motivate teens. Finally, if you enjoy this episode and all the helpful strategies Deborah shared with us, please take a moment to rate and review. This helps other parents like you find the show. I encourage you to share it with a friend as well. Until next time. 
Have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.